Talk to the mic. Talk to the mic. Talk to the mic. Say yeah, buddy. Say yeah, buddy. Come on. That's not yeah. All these years of expensive education. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Happy Thursday morning and welcome to the Lifestyle Business Podcast. Today I'm joined by my co-hostess with the most, it's my captain, the CEO, yeah. A man who's pumped on this fine Thursday morning because he received a spam solicitation from a private jet company. True story? True story, buddy. We have been called on iTunes, Ian, the top chefs of the Lifestyle Business World. Five stars. We've all read the books. Now here are two guys who are living it and are willing to share. What makes Jamie Oliver, Tom Colicchio, and Anthony Bourdain so respected? Because they not only knew how, they not only executed, but they showed the world how they did it by publishing uh, their journey as they go. Dan and Ian are the top chefs of the lifestyle business world. They know how, they're doing it, and they're willing to share it with the rest of us. This is not a podcast of dry theory or podcast about dreaming about success. This is the perfect blend of advice and plain business sets topping with a topping of stories from their life as successful lifestyle business owners. Thank you, Rick. Wow. That is Rick, the creative writer, man. I love that. My name is next to Anthony Bourdain's, although it doesn't belong there. Yeah. Rick can really string together a sentence. So thank you so much for that uh, fantastic compliment. Speaking of the amazing listeners of this show, wow, Ian, I told you I could not stop talking about the Dynamite Circle meetup that we had in New York City the other week. Um, it was absolutely amazing to meet, uh, you know, 15 bright entrepreneurs who are out there crushing it. And you can see their faces in the LBP listener section. If you, do, if you go to our website and click on the LBP listeners, one of my favorite things, Ian, is when people send us photos of themselves listening to the podcast. And it's super cool. And even an e-commerce store owner used uh, an iPod. They were selling some kind of iPod accessory. It had the, our badge on it on the e-commerce store. How cool is that? And by the way, the pictures from the DC uh, NYC meetup were pretty cool. Rooftop setting, drinks in hand. I love to see that kind of stuff. Thanks. Big shout to Hunter Hewitt for hooking us up with the venue at the last minute. In fact, I'll post some of those photos at episode number 121. All right. So Kyle in Austin wrote us an email saying, SEO is kicking my ass. Join the club, man. I'm about to launch a website that will uh, uh, provide a daily workout or a wad. I know the inside stuff, man. I'm down. It will include <laughs> video. Like it's, 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 this is all about uh, for fitness centers. Um, here's the thing. Kyle wants to know uh, if he should spend the money to buy a domain with age. Is it worth the time and the money? Because we know that domains with age get better SEO juice. What say you, SEO guru? Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't think it's probably necessarily worth buying a domain that's aged, like a fine wine. Say Charles Shaw. Uh, <laughs> is that how you say it? Charles Shaw? Shaw. Uh, <laughs> Two buck Chuck. 
Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily worth buying a domain uh, with age, but I think it might be worth buying a domain with some traffic on it. I think if you're, if, yeah, if you're at the point where SEO is kicking your ass, the whole age thing is going to be pretty marginal benefit. And, and one of the things, you know, I wouldn't even, it's not even necessarily that valuable to have particular rankings unless you have the conversion data, because it's, it's really more about the overall site footprint and the overall quality of that site. So Kyle, I'm going to share with you the number one SEO strategy that always works. And anyway, SEO is for chumps. It's like digging dishes. I mean, it's, it's great for an optimization, but I don't think it's a great way to start a business. It's like one distribution path, but it's no, it's no way to start a whole business, especially when you're generating high quality content, Kyle, you should be looking at strategies like, for example, developing affinity partners, because social is the way that people, influencers sharing your content is how you're going to get traffic and conversions, not ranking for, uh, you know, workout routine in Austin, Texas. Yeah, ask Google how important they think SEO is. Half of the front page these days is paid traffic. <laughs> They're willing to just take your money and have you show up at the top of the page. So that's Google product feeds, that's uh, PPC, that's um, all that good stuff. Uh, you can just pay and show up right on the front page. Yeah, here's the thing. The number one strategy that always works, Ian, is consistent content proliferation. Have a solid site plan, like you know, you got your H1s and your H2s, and you got all that quality content you're talking about, Kyle. All right, that's your method. Now pump it out four times a week, and then proliferate it as much as you possibly can. Check out what James Shremko is doing, Ian. I don't know if you've taken a look at him, but he'll put out I a have. video every day. He'll make a transcript from it, and he'll put that out as a press release or a article marketing. Then he'll pin the JPEG of the video onto Pinterest. He'll put it on Facebook. He'll take uh, the video version and put it on YouTube. And you guys get the idea here. Put the podcast up on iTunes. So Kyle, this, this is the SEO strategy that works. Make great content and find as many ways to syndicate and proliferate that content as possible. We should take our own advice, Ian. This is not going to be on YouTube. Yeah, we should. All right. In a lot of podcast episodes, Tim Moon writes, you guys have talked about micro multinational businesses and being micro moguls. You guys mentioned a book that you might or might be working on. That's a long story. I'm curious if you guys have resources or websites where you follow these people. More importantly, do you think this could be a monetizable blog topic? Yes, we do, Tim, and we've said that several times. I think that this is a great new uh, product to come out with. I think it's a great new segment to come out with. I think there's a lot of content that could be written here. I think uh, we just don't have time. Yeah, I think th here's the idea, uh, Tim. If you're interested in going after this space, most of the people that exist are focused on this kind of key term, asset protection. Basically, it's for rich guys. But here's the thing. There's this whole new group of people coming up that are developing their businesses international. They're interested in asset generation. Like you said, they want to know where to live, where to hire, where to set up their businesses. I think this is an explosive niche. And if you can serve them by telling them the best places to incorporate, how to do it, who to have do your taxes, say David McKeegan at Greenback Tax Services. There's a guy who's positioning himself in this market and crushing it. If you want to look at other people, more focused on the asset protection side, check out SovereignInvestor.com, SovereignMan.com, TheDailyReckoning.com, FlagTheory.com, and IntelTax.TypeAd.com. I'm very interested in this space. Please, Tim, and when you set up the blog, send me an email, bro. I want to read it. All right, let's get moving on to the meat and potatoes. Ian, I'm not sure if you, if you know, but uh, you slept through an interview this morning. Yeah, but you know, I met Pratik uh, a couple weeks ago in Vietnam, so I figured it would be okay to hit snooze. Pratik's a great. 
Pratik's a great example of a pro. I mean, this guy is, is just a great entrepreneur. Uh, he runs a great team of developers, and it's just so cool to see. You know, he goes right to the top. You know, when he tells us a customer service story, it's like, yeah, I called the guys at CD Baby because those guys know about customer service. It's just that pro attitude where he can hang with anybody, and it's that attitude that got him 50,000 visitors from Hacker News just this last weekend. So let's listen to a little bit about Pratik's story, how he learned from having almost half a million users on his first business, uh, how that inspired his second business, and and also a little bit of the uh, of insights into the Vietnam, Vietnam startup scene, which is something we've talked about on the podcast before. We got hooked up from our mutual friend, John. Uh, he wrote a post in the DC saying Saigon was on fire with startups. I got on an airplane yep. and met you the very next day. Just got on the horn this morning. You're <laughs> telling me you were featured on Hacker News last week. Tell me about this little side project about my browser. Uh, hey, thanks. Uh, so yeah, you know, we, we've been doing customer support and we have an app in customer support. And one of the most common questions when you are doing support is you ask your users, what browser are you using? You know, like uh, even with like Chrome and Firefox, there's just so many releases going on and there's so many experimental features. So you just don't know. And most users like have no idea. I mean, they may tell you that they're using Chrome, but they don't know what version and, you know, like what OS and so, so you can just go to about my browser and it captures all your browser information and gives you a link which you can share back with support or with your friends. And so that's basically what uh, about my browser is all about. And so it was just like a weekend hack. We were just sitting on a Friday evening and we were like, oh, you know what? Let's just quickly build something that helps support people. This yeah. is such a yeah. simple idea, Pratik. Why would something like this go so crazy on Hacker News? And how many visits did you get from this show, oh, show got, Hacker News? In the first 24 hours, we got about 46,000 visits, almost 50,000, basically. Yeah, it just went nuts. Yeah. Now, now did, that translate right. into and, did that translate into sign-ups for Support B? Uh, no, not as many because, you know, we didn't really push the Support B branding as much and we still aren't doing that. We just want to let About My Browser sort of become like the default place for people to go to if they are having any browser issues. And, you know, so we don't want to like, uh, yeah, we just, we don't want to try to exploit or try to use the channel too early. <laughs> sure. So you so, want to just let it grow on its own first and, and so, then fi figure out how to get people here. So let's yeah. take a step back because you're doing something really interesting. I mean, you got you got started doing Startup Chile or you didn't get started that way, but you participated in Startup Chile and now you're living in Saigon. So before we talk about what you're, you guys are doing with Support B, I want to talk a little bit about the travel aspect. What was the draw for you to go the whole way down to South America from India and get involved in Startup Chile? You know, so we were in Bangalore and we were doing the startup and in uh, I had another startup before this and when I was taking a break, I came over to Vietnam uh, for some consulting and some travel and, uh, you know, then I came back here a couple of times and, and the last time I was here, we applied to Startup Chile and uh, it looked pretty attractive because, you know, yeah, we, we always wanted to travel and that's one of the big benefits of being an entrepreneur, but we just never used it as much and so we thought, you know, Startup Chile is a great opportunity and we applied to Startup Chile, we got into Startup Chile, and we sold all our stuff in Bangalore, just decided that, you know what, now we're just going to be on the move for a few years, and uh, and just went to Chile. And we were there for a few months, and I came back to Vietnam, and my uh, co-founder is still in Chile, my, one of my developers is in India. So we, we have always wanted to sort of build like a distributed team, because we don't want to be tied down to a place. So it just all goes back to that. So what is it that was attracted you to Saigon? I mean, obviously you could be down in Chile with your team members, but what is the the, the pool for you with Vietnam and, and Saigon in particular? Uh, just a few things. So like when I, uh, since I've been coming here a bit, I have some friends here and like, you know, as you mentioned, John 
and there's this whole startup thing going on and and I end up basically meeting a lot of interesting people here and I think also the quality of life and you know the cost of living versus the quality of life it's like really good it's a great place to bootstrap it has uh, it has a great wi-fi culture as i'm sure you must have seen when you were here all the coffee shops are wi-fi and they encourage you to sit and work from there so just i think it's a, it's a it's sort of undiscovered yet but it's a great place to do a tech startup now a lot a lot of our so audience are like things. sort of yeah. travel and expat nerds I know it's a crazy question, but could you compare it with Chile? Like, what's what would be the difference right now if you were living in Chile in terms of your lifestyle? So Chile is a lot more expensive, uh, first of all. I think if, but if you are more into sort of like hiking and climbing a volcano and uh, you know going on trails, I think then you would like Chile more than Vietnam. Or at least I haven't really explored that much. For example, at least Ho Chi Minh City, there's nothing really around to trek or hike. But in Santiago, if you're living, you know, you can go to the Andes, and there are trips that you can make. So so that's sort of like, you know, the positive thing about Chile. But then on the other hand, it's a lot more expensive. So if you have a team and you want to bootstrap the cost of hiring people, it's much more expensive. So those are the factors that I think sort of go against Chile if you're bootstrapping. Ballpark idea, if somebody were want, wanting to come to Vietnam um, to start an internet purely based business, what would you say would be a reasonable monthly budget for them? You know, I think it sort of depends on how frugal you are or how extravagant you are. But uh, I would say, uh, you know, you can find a really good place to live. Uh, you can share a house with somebody for like 500 bucks a month. And then, you know, if you eat out all the time, party out a little bit, I think something like 1000 to $1,200. I mean, you can live a pretty good life, you know, you can hit a gym and so I would say anywhere between fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars, you can live a pretty good life, actually. Absolutely. I mean, you can obviously go cheaper than that if you want, um, and you can go a lot more crazy as well if you go out drinking every night or something. But I think fifteen hundred to two thousand bucks, you can pretty much do a lot of things and have an exciting life. Excellent. All right. So speaking of exciting, let's get down to business. Supportb.com. I think it's it's a, it's a really fascinating piece of software. Where did the idea come from to get started with this? Yeah, so as I said, um, you know, before we were doing another startup called Musiboo. It's a music sharing site, musiboo.com. And it's very much like Flickr, but it's for musicians. It's a community of musicians. And while we were working on it, you know, we sort of, now it's, we've grown into over half a million users. And when we were doing it, um, you know, we were using Gmail. Like most companies, we were using Gmail to do customer support. And after a while, it just became a mess to, you know, sort of know who's working on what ticket, which ones, you know, need to be still worked on. So we started looking for a software and everything we found was really, really complicated. And so when we were sort of deciding to move away from Musiboo and do something else, uh, so, you know, customer support was one of the obvious things we thought we should look at. And um, I mean, and I think still uh, support B is definitely, I think, pretty much the easiest and usable software out there. So. I think it still holds to the reason for starting it. So one way you described this to me that really appealed to me is you said it's like Gmail for teams. So so tell us about like how far along you are with the business now. I mean, how many users do you have? How long have you guys been in business? Oh, uh, so we have we have like about 60 or 70 companies using us and we have about 20 paying customers right now and we're going to be doing a public launch as, uh, as I talked to you I think sometime back in a couple of weeks. And um, and the products like really cool and we've processed over a hundred thousand tickets for our customers. Some of our biggest customers are processing a few hundred tickets a day. So it's you know so it's 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 adding a lot of like business value to a lot of people and it's been doing that for a couple of months now. Um, and so yeah, I mean post public launch we want to definitely scale up uh, the sales and basically customer acquisition. 
I'm, I'm curious, yeah. like who's like the sweet spot customer that you've found so far that like they really get the most value out of it? And who are who are people that don't get a lot of value out of this product? I, I think at least now the, the trend is very clear and it's basically teams, small and medium sized teams of let's say anywhere from like two to 30 people where typically the company culture is involving everybody in support. I mean, those people get the most value out of support B and most, mostly it's because we don't charge you by the number of logins or the number of seats. We encourage you to add everybody in your team to support your support desk and then uh, you know assign tickets to them as and when needed, even if they're developers and just doing a few a month. So those are the kind of companies that like see the most value out of support B and basically small agile teams that sort of work collaboratively. So I'm curious, like, you know, in my team right now, each customer support representative has their own email address under their name. So it's like Mike and Mark and Carrie and Ann. Yeah. So how does that work when we all get into one email inbox? I mean, what if, you know, some emails aren't public and some emails are public, you know, so how, how would that work? Yeah. So the way it works is like your customers would either email you and support at Tropical MBA or you'll put a web form on your website to collect support requests. And they would all go to support B. And so from then on, it's sort of it's kind of independent from their individual mailboxes. They can either log in or they uh. can reply from their mailboxes. But it's it's basically none of the emails like really go to individual like Mark or Kelly at they go to support at and when they reply, the reply comes from support at. So it all stays in one place, but still your entire team can participate and get involved. Okay, so how is it different from opening up a Gmail account called support at mycompany.com and just having everybody log into one email account? If you look at Gmail, like the basic, you know, uh, the paradigm there is read and unread. So if you open an email, it's marked as read. And if you haven't opened it, it's marked as unread. But that really doesn't work for support. For support, what's important is whether it's answered or unanswered. So we are, in our system, there are only two states for a ticket. It's answered or unanswered. When you answer a ticket, it, it's marked as answered and you take it off the unanswered queue. So you know, or anybody logging in at any time knows, okay, these are the tickets that I have to worry about. These are the unanswered tickets. If you answer something and you know you still want to follow it up, you can start it. But that's, you know, 80% of the time you reply to a ticket and it's done. Those are like conversations. You just, somebody sends you an email, you reply to it, it's taken off. If they reply again, it's put back again in the unanswered queue. And you just have a conversation. You don't really close conversations with people, right? I mean, so, and so you shouldn't do that in support either. So, so, so that's the way our software works and is different from Gmail. Now what I'm curious about is marketing because you, you, you're, you're taking sort of a public launch in the next few weeks and you've got a business already with a half a million users and you've got a lot of cool hacker news war stories. So tell us some of the strategies that you're going to be employing um, to get the word out about support B and to blow up your user base. What are some of the key strategies you're going to be employing? So we, we, when we started support B, when we were doing the customer development for support B, uh, we talked to a lot of entrepreneurs. So we talked to Wufu, we talked to Discuss, we talked to CD Baby, a lot of companies that are very well known for their customer support and, you know, just to understand how they do it. And as a side effect, we also understood their, you know, interesting support stories. How do they do support? And that drove us, gave us a lot of, you know, initial traffic and a lot of beta signups. But unfortunately, we didn't really continue that. So we're going to like start doing that again. So blogging is one way, you know, and on the other hand, you know, we have... Um, like if you go to support B, you can check out, we have a developer blog. So we, we use a lot of cool technologies to make support B awesome and snappy. And so we talk about those and that have, again, driven a lot of traffic from Hacker News and other sources. Um, I think also medium term, there'll be like search engine strategy, SEO strategy, because 
for Musible, um, you know, SEO was pretty good, and so we have some experience there. So SEO is another one, and I'm sort of reluctant in like trying out uh, SEM right away. I just want to sort of wait on it a little bit and like figure out the business much better before putting in money there. So I think SEO and blogging and content marketing is like going to be big. Excellent. So I'm really thankful that you uh, took the time to join us here today, and I'm assuming that you'd be willing to uh, meet up with anybody that's coming to Saigon. Yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks. I mean, yeah, anybody can contact me anytime uh, through support. You'll just send me an email or tweet. Shares, man. All right, Pratik is such a cool guy. Ian, I can't wait to maybe go back and take a visit in November timeframe. Vietnam yes, is I on was, my uh, mind. I was just tweeting the other day with Mr. John Myers, the infamous Mr. John Myers. I love that guy. And uh, he's saying that uh, he was going to be maybe uh, – Squatting down in Vietnam uh, for the long term, so really? I would like to go back and visit uh, John Myers there, and of course, Pratik. Yeah, it's, it's not possible to have John Myers on the podcast because he would he would burn our ears. It's too hot to handle. You can't yeah. you can't bring John. He's too hot. All right, so let's get moving on to just the tips. All right, so you've got a tip. We have these uh, American Express Platinum cards. One of the things that. Um, a lot of the dudes at the Tropical NBA, like Brian Polk, uh, some of the guys at the DC meetup, they were really, really serious. Uh, Rob and, and Eric from the DC, these guys are so serious about credit card points and, and taking it seriously because you, you get amazing benefits if you're using credit cards regularly. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the kind of stuff that we've got coming our way, Ian? Yeah, I'd say any points actually uh, is important. Maybe like two years ago, I started a Google spreadsheet. And um, in the past, I hadn't really worried about it much. But like anytime I rent a car uh, these days and for the past two years, I would enroll in whatever plan they had. And anytime I fly on an airline, because you think, oh, I'll fly Delta this time, but I'll never fly Delta again. Well, you start doing business, you start traveling a lot. All of a sudden, you've flown 20 times on Delta. Yeah. And you could have yourself some free flights. So. Uh, that's one uh, quick tip that I did two years ago. Just started a spreadsheet, started signing up for everything. It's worked out really well because now I have all kinds of uh, rewards points in various different clubs. But what we did recently was we signed up for the American Express Platinum Business Card. Uh, before we uh, before we had the Platinum Card, we had the Green Card, which is really good for rewards. Uh, I think on the podcast the other day we were talking about how we were uh, staying in Starwood hotels uh, for free basically the last month in uh, Asia, uh, and that's sustainable for us at this point for a long time based on how many points we've uh, accumulated. But uh, we bumped up to the Platinum Card, and we did that for a couple different reasons. Uh, the Platinum Card isn't for everybody. It's $450 a year per card, so it's pretty pricey. But there are some perks that make it worth it for us. Um, the most important, I think, probably for us is the free access to uh, airline lounges. Ding, ding, and ding. This is in most airports, <laughs> most international airports. Uh, you just flash your Platinum Card, and you get in there. Uh, other benefits include free room upgrades, breakfast, 4 p.m. checkout, no foreign transaction fees, et cetera, et cetera. The list really goes on. There's a lot of perks and benefits to this. Uh, so you and I will have the Platinum Card, and I think we will run our business on the Gold Card uh, because there's a lot of uh, rewards. We put all of our freight bills and things like that from our product business on that Gold Card. We earn the points, and then we spend them on the Platinum Card, baby. Man, I, you said 30 seconds on this. This sounds like a put-together sales pitch. Do you have an affiliate link for the listeners on <laughs> 
Yeah, send me uh, $500 and I'll get you your $450 card. Yeah, that's great stuff. And and I think, you know, the next step for us is getting serious about, um, have you thought yet about whether you go with like Delta Sky Team or One World or anything like that? Yeah, I started flying um, to Asia. I started flying on uh, China Airlines pretty much exclusively. And that that's to say that if the price for a Cathay was $100 uh, less expensive, I would still fly China Airlines because it's worth it to me to get the points. Um, and also now I have, uh, I don't know what it is, gold status or whatever there. So I'm a lot into the lounges. They call you when your plane's up. You can hop right on the plane. You're bored early, all that stuff. So it does become worth it, you know, free upgrades uh, when you have enough points. So uh, I do think it, it is worth it if you're traveling uh, the same route often to uh, kind of uh, form some kind of alliance. Yeah. And we bring this stuff up, too, because we're learning about this stuff and we're curious about your hacks and trips. So why don't you, uh, if you have any Feel free to stop by the website, uh, leave us a message or leave us a note, and we'll share your tips on this podcast. All right, finally, if you haven't yet downloaded, a lot of you guys have Kindles out there. There's a new Kindle coming out October 1st. It looks awesome. I'm probably going to upgrade. If you haven't yet downloaded the Kindle app for your iPhone, I'd encourage you to do so. It's a great reading experiment experience because you read really fast. It's backlit. You can do it in the bathroom without worrying about well, I guess you do have to worry about dropping it in the tub. That doesn't matter. The point is, is that Kindle on the iPhone is a, a fantastic thing. And uh, let's link over to Mark at postmasculine.com. I recently did an interview with him. Really cool guy. Actually took the Tropical MBA model and executed it. So he's got a couple interns uh, down in Colombia. And he had a great blog post about some books that he's read recently. So I've got my uh, Kindle chock-a-block full. I'm reading Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Rob Walling told me yeah. to read that like months ago, and I'm finally halfway into it. Excellent read. And I got a bunch of Charles Bukowski books in there because I love dirty old man literature. Anyway, so those are those are a couple uh, cool authors to check out. All right, so we're going to play you out with a little track called Gone from Tokyo Police Club. And we are gone until next Thursday morning. Booyah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do. Some guy like Ian comes up to you and just wants to buy your soul. It's sort of hard. <laughs> it's hard to say no, you know.